Well, happy Father's Day to everybody. It's good to see you guys out there. Uh, my Father's Day present for today is that both of my daughters are going to be home. Uh, my older daughter, those of, thank you for those of you who have been praying for my older daughter, Sarah. She, uh, those of you who don't know, she broke her neck a couple of weeks ago, had emergency surgery. She's doing really well. She is on a plane and will be here this afternoon. And you'll get to meet her uh, next weekend, hopefully, because uh, we're excited that she'll be with us for, for, for several weeks. So, you know, as we were singing that song, did you notice that we're actually singing that song to ourselves for the most part? It, it does, we do sing to God as well, but bless the Lord, oh my soul. We're actually singing that song to ourselves. And, and there's a stigma that's attached to talking to ourselves. You know, it, it's okay to do it in church if you're singing a song, but you got to be careful if you do it uh, somewhere else. And actually, I was walking down the street the other day, and I see this person who's talking to themselves, and I'm like, they're talking to themselves out loud. And then I realized, no, they've got a Bluetooth earpiece in their head, you know. And so if you're going to uh, talk to yourself, just at least pretend that you're on a cell phone. Uh, but, but seriously, we all talk to ourselves. It's not a question of whether or not we talk to ourselves. The question is, what do we say to ourselves when we talk to ourselves? Think about the conversations that you have in your head on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, man, I am so tired. I couldn't sleep last night. I was so stressed out over what's going on at work. My boss is an idiot. No, I shouldn't say that because, yeah, he is an idiot, but I shouldn't be saying that, at least to myself, you know, or at least I shouldn't say that out loud or... Why is it that she says that again and again and again? She is so self-centered. You know, or the conversation that you have with yourself on the way to work. Okay, so when I get to work, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to check my email. But I don't want to spend too much time checking my email because I have to work on this presentation. And if I can do this presentation really well, then things are going to be, you know, so much better for me at work. Man, I hope that I do a good job on that. No, I don't want to hope that I do a good job on that. Psych myself up. Come on, we're going to do a good job. I'm going to kill this presentation. And then after the presentation, man, I was awesome. I am so awesome. They are going to give me that promotion. We've all had those kinds of conversations in our head. And there's nothing wrong with that. We talk to ourselves all of the time. And every conversation that we have with ourselves influences the way in which we live our lives. Paul Tripp, who's one of my favorite authors, puts it this way. He says, no one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. That's an interesting thought. I've never thought about it that way before I read what he was saying. You know, you ask yourself, who is the most influential person in your life? And sometimes it, it's Father's Day, so it's got to be your father, right? You know, so it's your father, it's your mother, it's your boss, it's your best friend, it's your spouse, it's, you know, a hero, whoever it is. No, actually, the most influential person is in your life is you because you talk to yourself more than anybody else does. And what we say to ourselves affects the course of our lives. Oprah puts it this way. She says, the greatest discovery of all time is that a person can change his future merely by changing his attitude. And I thought about that for a, for a couple minutes when I read that quote. And, and yeah, there's a lot of truth in that, but I'm not sure that it's really the greatest discovery uh, of all time. Because I think that we can do a little bit better than that. This morning, as Dave mentioned, we're going to be looking at Psalm 103. Uh, which was the inspiration for Bless the Lord on My Soul, 10,000 Reasons, uh, the song that we just sang a few minutes ago. And the psalm, Psalm 103, begins with, Praise the Lord, my soul. 
all my inmost being praise his holy name. So we think of psalms as prayers. We think of psalms as songs. We've been talking about that for the past couple of weeks. And most of the psalms are written as prayers to God. But Psalm 103 and, and several others are written actually as guides for talking to ourselves. In this psalm, David is talking to himself and he's saying, myself, I need to praise God. Praise God, oh my soul, for who he is, for what he's done. I think about it this way. Usually when I pray, I talk to God about me. But in this psalm, I'm talking to me about God. Why? Because I need that. I need to continually remind myself that I need to think about God. David continues, verse 2, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Why? It's easy to forget God, right? Our lives are so busy. There's so many things going on. Work, family, entertainment, sports, whatever it is that we're doing in our lives, and it is so easy to go hours or days, sometimes even a week or more, without really giving God a second thought, without asking ourselves, how does my relationship with God affect my life? How does it make a difference in my life on a day-to-day -day basis? And so that's why David is saying to himself, don't forget about God. Don't forget all that he's done. Don't forget all that he is. Don't forget all that he's promised to do. I need to remind myself on a day-to-day -day basis and sometimes multiple times every day to turn my focus to God. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I begin thinking about all the things that I need to do for that day and I get discouraged and the day looks really dark and I need to stop and I need to remind myself, God is good. God loves me. God is so much more in control of what's going on in my life than I could ever be. So I need to turn and I need to look to him and I need to trust him and I need to ask him to give me wisdom and I need to ask him to give me guidance and I need to ask him to give me peace throughout the day. And I need to remind myself over and over and over again, remind yourself of who God is, of what God has done and of what he's promised to do. And when we do that, it can really change the course of our lives. So yeah, we all talk to ourselves, but when we talk to ourselves, we need to remember not just to talk about ourselves, but we need to talk to ourselves about God, about who he is, about what he's done, and about the promises that he's made to us. And look at what David says to himself about God in, in verse three. He says, God forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with love and compassion. He satisfies your desires with good things. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all of the oppressed. Look at those verbs that we've highlighted there in those verses. God forgives. He heals. He redeems. He crowns. He satisfies. He works. Those verbs tell us so much both about who God is, but also what he's done and what he promises to do. Think about it this way. If we were to remind ourselves every day that God does these things, that these things are true of God, 
It's going to transform our lives. It's going to make a difference in the way that we live our day-to-day lives. And it's not like David didn't already know these things about God. David knew that God was loving. God, David knew that God was forgiving. David knew that God was redeeming. David knew that God was compassionate. He knew all of these things, but he also knew himself. And he knew that if he didn't remind himself of who God is and what he's done and what he promised to do, then he's going to forget and he's going to live his life in some sense as if God didn't exist because that's effectively what we're doing when we go about our day-to-day lives without giving God a second thought. So David was reminding himself of these things, the things that he already knew because he knew that was the way that it would make a difference in his life. And if you're feeling a little weak you know, in, in your knowledge about who God is, maybe you're saying, yeah, David knew all that, but I don't. Great way to... to, to uh, strengthen your knowledge of who God is and what he's done and what he promises to do. Just read through the Psalms. A couple weeks ago, we talked about reading through and praying through one Psalm every day and how that could transform our lives. As we read through the Psalms, we find out more about who God is, what he's like, what he's done. Every single Psalm teaches us something about God. It reinforces in our minds something about who God is and what he's like and how he wants us to live our lives. And so many of the Psalms give us some very practical applications for how we can apply that to our lives. This one in particular, it says, hey, on a regular day-to-day, moment-by-moment basis, remind yourself of who God is. Point yourself to God so that you're not spending your whole life essentially focused on everything else. Think about it this way. When we're convinced that God has forgiven us, we're not going to carry around the weight of our guilt and our sin. We talked about that last week. Psalm 51, David was confessing the sin that he had committed. He had been carrying around this weight of guilt, but he knew that he could go to God and that God was ready, that he was eager, that he wanted to forgive David. So instead of carrying around the weight of that guilt, he confessed his sin to God and he received that forgiveness and he found the freedom to be able to praise God and to thank God for the forgiveness that God had freely offered to him. When we know that we're broken, when we know that we're sinful, and when we know that we're actually forgiven by God, then it's going to affect our relationships with the people around us because we're going to realize, you know what, I am no better than anybody else. I am just as much in need of forgiveness as they are. They are just as much a child of God as I am. And so I'm going to treat people around me differently when I understand that I'm forgiven by the God in heaven who loves me. When I know that God wants to meet my needs, then I'm going to be less likely to to manipulate or, or use other people to try to meet my own needs. Why? Because I'm not going to be looking to them to meet my needs. I'm going to be looking to God to meet my needs. When I'm overwhelmed with how much God loves me, when I'm just amazed that the God of the universe actually cares about me, that he wants to have a relationship with me, then I'm going to realize, you know what? I can show that same love to the people around me. And so understanding the love that God has for me can transform the relationships that I have, not just with my family members, not just with my friends, 
but with all of the people around me because I'm gonna treat them with the same kind of love and grace and respect and compassion with which God treats me. And so when I remind myself of these truths about God, it affects the way I think, but it also affects the way that I live my life. Watch what David does next. Verse seven, he says, God made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. Notice what David's doing here. He's looking back to what God had, did, had done with Moses and the people of Israel. He was using that to remind him of what he already knew about God's compassion, about his graciousness, about his slowness to anger, about his abounding love. He looked back and he said, the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. They're crying out to God, God, deliver us from this slavery. And God listened to their prayer. Why? Because he's compassionate, because he's abounding in love, because he's merciful, because he cared about their needs. And David used what God did through Moses to remind himself of what God was like. So God used Moses to deliver the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. And David was never enslaved in Egypt. He lived hundreds of years after the Israelites were freed from slavery. But David had his own troubles. He had his own challenges. He had his own difficulties. He had his own times when he's crying out for mercy to God. And when he's in the middle of the difficulties that he's going through, he reminds himself, remember self, remember my soul, what God did through Moses with the children of Israel. And that same God who did that for Moses and the Israelites can do that for me. The same God who did it for my ancestors can do it for me. Yes, the circumstances are different, but the God is still the same. And so I can look to him to do for me what he did for them. He reminded himself of what God had done, and that gave him the confidence to trust in God, to look to God to meet his needs in the middle of whatever the circumstances that he found himself in. You know, today, we've talked about, obviously, today is Father's Day. And it reminds me of one of the first sermons that I ever gave. It was probably 20 years or, or, or so ago. I was asked uh, to guest speak at a church, and it was Father's Day. And I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, how we can show our appreciation for our fathers and, and, and what that was like. And I was looking for uh, an, an illustration. And I remembered uh, being in churches where they would... Um, to put it nicely, treat mothers on Mother's Day a little differently than they treat fathers on Father's Day. Actually, to put it this way, treat fathers a little differently on Father's Day than they treated mothers on Mother's Day. Think about it this way, if you, especially if you grew up in a, in a really traditional church. On Mother's Day, you know, we tell mothers what a high calling they have, and we, we praise them for how well they love their children. On Father's Day, we tell fathers that they need to do a better job of loving their children and not be so focused on their jobs or their golf handicaps, right? On Mother's Day, when moms leave church, what do they get? They get a flower, really nice thing. On Father's Day, what do fathers get when they leave the church? 
they get a little booklet on how to be a better father, right? So I'm sharing this illustration. I'm like, this is awesome, man. They are going to love this thing. And I have really hit a home run with this sermon until I walk out the door and they hand me a booklet on how to be a better father. This was one of those churches where they would do that. And at least they didn't hand me a booklet on how to use sermon illustrations a little more appropriately uh, in their church. Point, point being, our goal is not to guilt ourselves into changing our lives. David is not trying to heap guilt on us. David is trying to inspire himself and by extension us by talking about how amazing God is, how loving he is, how forgiving he is, how gracious he is, how compassionate he is. And look what he does starting in verse 13. He says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we're formed. He remembers that we're dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone and his place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness is with their children's children. David's feeling weak. He's feeling discouraged. He's feeling needy. So he reminds himself, I have a father in heaven who is so much better than any earthly father. And I can look to him to meet my needs. Why? Because he's compassionate. Because he understands my weakness. He understands that I'm like grass here today, gone tomorrow. I'm weak, but God is strong. My life is fleeting, but God's love, by contrast, is everlasting. My heavenly father, David, is saying, is compassionate, and his love for me is fierce, just like we were singing in that song. He loves me with a fierce love. He will fight for me because I'm his child. And as David thinks about that, he's encouraged, he's strengthened, he's emboldened. And it transforms his life. So whenever we're hurting, whenever we're afraid, whenever we're discouraged, we can remind ourselves that we have a strong, loving, compassionate, gracious Heavenly Father. And when we remind ourselves, that gives us hope because we know that not only does he care for us, but he's also able to do what he's promised to do because he's not like we are. He's not fleeting. He's not transient. He's not weak. He's everlasting. He's eternal. He's strong. And he's able to deliver what he's promised. He's able to take care of us. He's able to meet our needs. Now, when you listen to this, at some level, it sounds a little bit like the idea of, of the power of positive thinking. Do you remember the, the children's story, The Little Engine That Could? How many of you remember that, that story? I asked a few people this week just to make sure that it wasn't kind of like my generation, uh, you know, that, that we remember this thing. You know, it's, I remember growing up and, and loving that story. You know, it's this the little train is trying to bring this really heavy, this little engine, I'm sorry, is trying to bring this really long, heavy train up this steep mountain so that it can bring the toys to the children on the other side 
of the mountain. And as it's going up, it's saying, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. You know, and it gets to the top of the mountain and it's so excited and it's going down the other side of the mountain. It says, I thought I could, I thought I could, I thought I could. And as, you know, as like an eight-year-old when I was listening to this, I was really impressed with the, you know, the onomatopoeia there, that, that the train sound of I think I can. I, anyway, I, that was me. I was impressed with it. You all may be like, whatever. But for me, that was really inspiring. You know, and that's the power of that kind of positive thinking. And I think that's why that story is so popular. I think that's why it's so inspiring. But honestly, if we're honest with ourselves, the real power is not in our thinking. It's in the God about whom we're thinking. The real power is not in an idea. The real power is in a person. It's not so much even what I think about, but it's the God about whom I am thinking. That's where the power lies. As I mentioned earlier, David was reminding himself that God brought the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. And it wasn't just the memory that God had, the memory that David had of God bringing the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. Although that memory, that thought is important and there is some power in that. It's the fact that there's an actual God who actually did bring his people out of slavery in Egypt. And David had a relationship, not just with that idea, not just with that thought, not just with that memory, but actually with that God. And that's where the power is found. And we can even go one step better than that because we have a relationship with the God who rescued us, not from slavery in Egypt, but the God who rescued us from sin, the God who rescued us from death when he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross and to rise from the dead. And yes, that thought is incredibly powerful, knowing that God loves us enough to have sent his son is incredibly powerful. But so much more than that is that there's a reality behind that knowledge. There's a reality behind that thought, and it's found in the person of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8 puts it this way. He says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with us, graciously give us all things? I mean, think about it this way. He's saying, if God gave us his son, if God gave us that which is most precious to him, of course he's going to give us everything else. And knowing that our God loves us in that way is incredibly encouraging to us. And knowing that, in fact, there is a reality and not just a concept out there. There's a reality behind the thought. There's a reality behind the idea. There is a God who actually does these things for us is incredibly powerful. That same God who raised Jesus from the dead is the same God who works in us today. And when we cry out to him, we're not crying out simply to an idea. We're crying out to an actual person who loved us enough to die for us and who was powerful enough to defeat death. So when we kind of put it all together, when we think about the song that we sang, Bless the Lord, O My Soul, 10,000 Reasons for praising God. We've got 10,000 reasons for praising God, and we need to remind ourselves on a day-to-day -day basis of who God is 
of what he's done, of what he's promised to do. Use the Psalms to help you. Use those Psalms. That's part of the reason that they're there is in order to help us to remember, to remind ourselves of who God is, of what he's done and what he's promised to do. But also take some time every day, not just to, to be thankful for what God has done, though we should do that, but kind of being thankful on steroids, reminding ourselves of what God has done. So yeah, thank God for what he's done for you, maybe that day, but remind yourself of what God has done. And then the next day, when you're feeling discouraged, you look back on the previous day and you say, yeah, you know what? I remember that God did that for me yesterday or last week or last month or last year. And the same God who did that for me is able to do it for me again and again and again. Because although my circumstances may change, my God never does change. When we talk to ourselves, we have the power to change our lives. But as powerful as our thoughts may be, they are nothing compared with the power of the God who overcame sin and who overcame death. And so when we remind ourselves of who God is, of what he's done, what he's promised to do, we're reminding ourselves that we have a heavenly father who loves us, who loves us enough and who's powerful enough to meet all of our needs, whatever they are. And that knowledge and that power, when we appropriate it, when we internalize it, when we personalize it, and when we apply it to our lives, that knowledge and that power has the ability to change not only our lives, but by extension through us, the lives of the people around us. So let's sing to ourselves every day, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, worship his holy name, sing like never before, O oh my soul, and remind ourselves of all of the things that God has done for us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you are, are a God who is compassionate, that you're a God who is gracious, that you're a God who is loving, that you're a God who is powerful, that you're a God who gave us that which was most precious to you, your only son, so that we could be restored to a right relationship with you. Help us to remember that on a day-by-day, -day, on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. Help us to remind ourselves of who you are, what you've done, what you've promised to do for us, and help us to live in light of that. And I pray that as we do, you would transform our lives by the power of your Holy Spirit. And as you transform our lives, I pray that you would use us in the lives of the people around us, that they might look at us, that they would see you working in us. And I pray that they would be drawn to you and would desire to know you and to follow you and to love you and to worship you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So glad that you came out on this beautiful Father's Day morning. I hope you have a wonderful afternoon.